Paris and I then welcome or welcome back to At Least There's a Dog, a Star Trek Enterprise review podcast in which we will boldly go episode by episode through the Star Trek series that, whatever its flaws, undeniably has the most dog. We are your hosts, Mandy and Josh, and on tonight's show, we will be discussing season four, episode eight, The Awakening, a generic title for a pretty generic episode. It, it was like almost filler. Like, it was there to get from point A to point C, and uh, I wasn't into it. It was definitely a middle segment. And on the one hand, that means that I am kind of pumped for episode three of this three-episode arc, because I could tell everything in this was just setting up that one somehow. Yep. But we still had to get through this one, and it's, uh, it's like, super okay and uninspiring. It, yeah, yeah, it was quite uninspiring. But, you know, it, it hopefully it gets us somewhere cool. It wasn't awful. It wasn't like one of the offensively bad episodes of Enterprise. It just didn't really do anything for me at all. Hello, dog. She's licking my hand. She wants to drink my tea. She's very good. Shall you, uh, shall we... Tell the, uh, Shall we tell everyone what the episode was about? That's what I'm trying to say, yes. Um, sure. So, um, disclaimer, just so everyone is clear, here is what happened between when we watched the episode and when we are now recording this podcast. Huh? We watched the episode. I sat down to write the episode summary. I fell asleep. And when I woke up, I'd forgotten most of the episode. <laughs> so here are the pieces of what I remember. It's still the aftermath of the bombing of the Earth Embassy that killed Admiral Forrest, and all we know is that the guys they think did it definitely didn't do it. In plot A, Archer and T'Pol are still down in a cave in a brutal Vulcan desert called the Forge. They've been taken prisoner by the rebel Vulcan group that totally did not bomb the embassy and also contains T'Pol's mom, but things get even thornier when their leader T'Pau discovers that Archer has an 18 18- year as an 1,800-year-old Vulcan soul, oh, my dog, in his head now. But on the NX-01, in plot B, Tucker and Saval are at loggerheads with a Vulcan high command led by Robert Foxworth, who has just gone completely psycho and is about to mass driver that desert. It looks like Archer is going to have to lead all those Vulcans back to the ways of logic. God help us all. Will Archer and T'Pol get out of the forge in one piece? Will Tucker lead the regular crew to safety from the psycho Vulcans? Can we just assume that when T'Pol confidently asserts that something isn't a problem or doesn't exist, the opposite is definitely 100% true? There's, there's, a, there's a trend. Yes. The star of the show, Porthos, I assume is off in sickbay with Dr. Flox, having a grand old time avoiding these conflicts. That would be good. Oh, wow, yeah, Flux. Did Flux even show up? No, he did not. Oh. Is, he was not in the episode at all. <clears throat> is Trudy doing, uh, like, rolling around? Uh, she appeared to be scratching her ear on the carpet. Oh, that's a good thing to do. It is. She's having fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, anyway, <clears throat> yeah, um, the one that preceded this, where Archer and T'Pol went into the forge, was a really good episode, and now this is the episode where everybody argues about it, which is a lot less interesting to watch. I've, I've got some other feelings about this. 
I, we'll, we'll get I, to those. I do too. I also have, and yeah, like you said, we'll get to it. But first, we have some uh, regular segments to go through. So, do you have some trivialities for me? Yeah, so uh, let's talk about uh, Tapau. Tapau, yes. So, how many series has Tapau appeared on? I can think of two. Mm hmm. But you can probably guess there's a third one. I can guess there's it, a third one. It wasn't one. actually Tapau, but it was a hologram of Tapau. Ah. Let's just go over these in the order in which they aired. So we start with the original series, the episode Amok Time. Uh-huh. Which you may remember that Tapau uh, was going to preside over the wedding, ends up presiding over the Calafi, the fight to the death. Indeed. Um, memorable, fun role. Yep. Uh... She then had a brief cameo in the Voyager episode, Darkling. Uh, the doctor decided to study some of the great characters or great people in history from different planets. I do kind of remember this. Okay. And T'Pau was uh, one of the great people one that he chose great to Vulcans. study. Okay. Yeah. Uh, as you may recall, that did not go well for the doctor. No, I do recall this. Yes. Um, and then, yes, and then in uh, this episode, Tapau's here again. And she's young this time. She's young this time. doesn't have her accent yet. Nope. Yeah, they're, they're all the same Tapau. I figured. Different actors, but... Well, that would be necessary. Mm-hmm. So we could talk a little about them. So in this episode, it's... Uh, Kara something. Kara Zedeker. Okay. Who, I don't know. She's an actor. Yeah. Um, in the original series episode... That is Celia Lovsky. Yes. Um, she was born in 1897. Holy moly. Yeah. Star Trek was a little while ago. Uh, she was born in... And 18... she was not young when that episode was filmed. Yeah, 1897 in Vienna. Okay. Uh, she's starred in a bunch of movies, or not... Sometimes starred, sometimes just, you know, featured in a bunch of movies. Mm-hmm. Um She's probably in the U.S. best known for um, this, the T'Pau role and also um, a role in an episode of The Twilight Zone. Okay. Uh, and the thing I thought was interesting is she was married to Peter Lorre for uh, 11 years. Oh, okay then. The one from Casablanca. And the one from, I mostly remember Peter Lorre from M. Yes. In which he played a psycho child killer. Spoilers. It, I, don't, I don't actually know if it's spoilers or not. I've never it's, seen it. It's not. No? You find that out in the first scene. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. So yeah, that, that was a name that I, I recognized on the Wikipedia Also, page. if you hear a weird slurping sound in the background, our dog is excitedly licking our couch for some reason. She's, bonus content. Bonus content. She's got to do what she's got to do. Anyway, to bow. Yeah, so I, I thought that was yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and one other weird little thing. There was a British band from uh, Shrewsbury, England. Okay. That chose to call themselves Tapau. Okay. Named after the character from Mohawk Time. Is that the music that I was hearing? Yeah, yeah I, I, I played a couple songs. Like, apparently they had some, like, top ten hits. Uh, I did not recognize any of their songs. That was very generic and 80s y. It did feel very generic and 80s y to me, yeah. But perhaps one of you lovely listeners out there has fond memories of Tapau, the British band. The band. From the 80s. Whom we learned about today. Yes. 
All right. Cool. And if so, hey, write us in. Yeah. Let us know. Okay. Fabulous. So yeah, that's your, your Tapau lesson for today. Cool. Well, in that case, I think it is time for... Faith, Faith of the Start. Our segment in which we ask ourselves one increasingly not simple question on a scale of one to ten. Usually, how much <laughs> did the theme song ruin the cold open? Eh, one. I gave it a, I, I gave it a four... Because it seemed particularly tasteless to play a song about how far I've come right after a guy gets fired. I guess. But, yeah, that was probably overrating it. It wasn't that bad. I don't, I, it, it didn't get me uh, worked up at all. No, the, the cold open was also, like much of the rest of the episode, uninspiring. Like, you know what's going to happen to Saval the moment that he walks into that room. Yeah, I, I, uh... I, I miss the, the days when the cold open would just make me start laughing. Me too. Maybe they'll come back. Maybe next episode. Could be. We shall see. Yeah. So Anyway, yeah, nothing special. So shall we say some nice things about this episode? We shall say some nice things about this episode. And my first one was actually that I liked to pow in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, she feels like a Vulcan. And that's not necessarily true of all the other Vulcans in the Star Trek Enterprise universe. Indeed. Like, she's kind of a, you know, brash, hot-headed Vulcan, as Vulcans go, but she still feels very fundamentally Vulcan-y. And maybe that's because she's one of the higher-ups in the Vulcan sect that's supposed to be leading everybody back to the ways of Serac, but it's still refreshing to see a Vulcan who actually tries to, like, live her life according to the principles of logic. Mm -hmm. And not let her emotions get the better of her all the time. Unlike all the other Vulcans in this episode that I could name. Indeed. Yeah, no, she did a great job. And yes, very Vulcan. Kara Zeniker's pretty good, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I liked her hair. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So cool. yeah, good character. Cool. Um, I liked Saval in the beginning. Yes, I know the whole little tribunal board he you know, walks into... We all know it was going to happen, but I still liked him, you know, telling it like it was. Even though it was a really, really fast about face, I like this new Saval. I think he's going to be good friends with Shran when Shran eventually shows up. Ooh. Because we know Shran is coming. Oh, yes. Um, I'd like that. I would like that. They could be good friends. Well, I hope that is what we get. In general, yeah. I, in general, I liked Saval this episode. Yeah. I liked uh, how he... he told the Vulcan leaders, you know, what for mm -hmm. <laughs> in the beginning. And uh, there was a really great line later on um, when he was talking with Trip, and Trip asks him, you know, wh why he's suddenly so fond of humans. And he replies, well, I lived on Earth for 30 years and I kind of became fond of humans. And Trip says, well, you've done a pretty good job of hiding it. And so it all just turns to him and says, thank you. I did like that. <laughs> Um, yeah, Gary Graham's always been good in this role, but he feels like he's having a lot more fun with what he gets to do now than what he's done in the past. Well, now he's like good guys of all, not just guy in the way of all. He is, and he's also like sassy of all. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the past, he was kind of just another grumpy old man grumping about grumpily Vulcan style. <laughs> and he was good at... Trudy, why are you drinking my Tr tea? Trudy wants your tea. Apparently. 
Um, like he was good at it. Like mm-hmm. the actor's always been good, but now he gets something a little bit more interesting to do, and that's nice to see. Yep. Um, yes, yeah, Saval being snarky was on my list as well. Um, on the complete opposite mood side, um, I liked the bombing sequence. Um, really? I liked the, not in terms of like, that looked great, because you know, a lot of the CG in the episode hasn't aged well, but I thought they did a pretty good job of hitting home the gravity of what, I don't actually remember Robert Foxworth's Vulcan name. It was like Schloss Veloss. or Shavas or Velas. I remember that it ended in Oss, but that was all I had. I had to write it down. (laughs) Gotcha. Anyway, Robert Foxworth. Yeah. So um, I appreciated that it kind of hit home the gravity of what Robert Foxworth was doing when he kind of single-handedly decided that he was going to exterminate the Cyrenites once and for all. Um, And again, like the CG doesn't hold up great, but I think it's still an effective sequence because it shows you what he means by blanket them. Um, and I thought that uh, the surrounding space battle, like, you know, it wasn't a huge space battle, but I thought it was well directed. And, you know, it's Roxanne Dawson. She usually does a good job with stuff like this. I disagree with everything you just said, but oh. that's okay. Okay. We'll talk about that okay. later. Okay. Cool. Um, I like that uh, little bit about how Vulcans don't fire warning shots. I did like that too. How many Vulca- How many warning shots do Vulcans typically fire? Zero. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, I think Tucker's a good captain. I agree. I think maybe Tucker should be captain. He'd miss engineering. He would, but you know, captains get promoted out of stuff all the time. It's true. It's maybe true. fewer captains should be hotshot pilots. Perhaps. But yeah, he was holding his own pretty well in that captain's chair. I think he's grown into it. My uh-huh. my running line used to be T'Pol should be captain. I think now I might be on team Tucker should be captain. T'Pol and Tucker could take turns. That seems like a bad idea. I mean, yes, but I like it. I, I'm here for it. True. True. Could be fun. What do we do with Archer? Maybe he do can... Do we send him off to be an emissary like Cisco? No, we, we send him to take care of Porthos for crying out loud. <laughs> stop stop going on a way Stop missions. abandoning your dog. Yeah. That, that's my uh, my proposal. That seems fair. Trudy agrees. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the visions with Surak. Me too. I thought that, A, they were visually quite cool. I thought the lighting was really neat. Um, but B... I don't know, like, I, I wasn't super into the actor who was playing Surak, but I liked the scenes. I liked the the message. I liked the, this, you know, very, uh, very, what's the right word? Um, a canticle for Lee Boitz. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> there, there's, there's some serious uh, atomic weaponry going on. Yeah. And it I, had some scope to it. Yeah. And it... It was cool. Yeah. It, it I was agree a, with you. it was a cool like look into Vulcan's past. Yeah, and I agree with you about the actor too. He seemed to be playing somebody's dad rather than like the leader of basically a great religious movement. Mm-hmm. But the surrounding scenes were really cool and I did think that he played off Scott Bakula reasonably well. Yeah. Um, and also, like I said, the, the lighting that they used was really neat. It was. It reminded me a lot actually of Deep Space 9 
when uh, Ben Sisko started getting prophet visions. Which makes sense, because Archer's basically getting religious visions right now. Yeah. And so they brought out the Sisko lights. They do. I don't really need all the Star Trek captains to turn into space Jesuses, but yeah, you know. It's, it's, it's a occupational hazard. It's Archer's turn to be a space Jesus, apparently. It's It happens to a lot of them. It's true. More like Space Gandhi, I guess, seems to be what they're bringing him towards. Maybe. Um, you know, a very pivotal figure in a religious movement in any case. Something like that. Um, you took all mine, so I'm done. Oh, okay. Uh, in that case, I think I had one other thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, two other things. The torch. It looks cool. I wish I had a torch like that. Okay. <laughs> Sure. I don't, I don't know how they make torches look so cool, but they look cool. I kind of want one. Go props department. Um, and two, I got a big grin on my face when Trip says, set course for Andoria. Yeah, because Shran's coming back. Yeah. Yeah. I'm that excited. Was, that was exactly the turn this, this uh, arc needed. I'm excited. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah. All right. That's, that's my pluses. Cool. Minuses. So the big minus and the one that like there is no way around if you're going to be pursuing this. Okay. Is that we have all seen Star Trek 3, The Search for Spock. That in fact is my big minus as well. Yeah. If you for some reason haven't seen Star Trek 3, The Search for Spock, um, then you are probably going to like this more because this stuff is all new to you. As it is, a lot of this is a big rehash of the plot of Star Trek Three, and Star Trek Three was merely an okay Star Trek movie the first time around. And like, it's the sort of nostalgia thing they're doing of like, look, it's that thing that you all liked, and we're gonna do it again. But it means that among other things, there's no suspense, there's no wondering, there's just kind of a, oh, yeah, that thing. Well, we know what, exactly what's going to happen now. I brought this up in the um, the ser- season retrospectives, I believe in both two and three, in two complaining that they spent too much time going, hey, I wonder what will happen if we transport a human. That's never happened before. I wonder if it will be okay. Hey, we're thinking about making a... Force field. I wonder if that's possible. Can we do that? And just like going back and and treating these things that you know Star Trek veterans are like fans. We we know we've seen this before. It's it might be kind of neat to the people on screen, but to us in the audience, we're bored. Stop doing that. It's the kind of thing where if and you I, spent... I commented that season three was much better because they didn't do that. Yes, and it's the kind of thing where if you spent two minutes on it. Yeah, okay, fine, that's cute. But when you spend an entire episode on it, it really doesn't work. Yeah, the the uh, item we're talking about is the uh, the transfer of Katra. The transfer of Katra, which T'Pol is insisting doesn't exist, and we all know it exists, and we all know how it happens, and we all know what's going to happen during the ceremony where they try to take it out of... of uh, what's his name? Archer? Archer? Yeah, him. That <laughs> Whoever guy. that guy was. Whoever that guy was. That, that um, captain person? Yeah, that yeah. captain person. We all know we all know what's going to happen there. Um, we all know how it got there in the first place. 
Mm-hmm. And like the only thing that was maybe a mild surprise was, oh, and he was carrying Surox Katra this entire time. I but mean, even then, I, it was like, you oh, could have figured okay, that yeah, was going to be the case. We, we, it's the kind of thing that you could have, you could have guessed. It certainly would have been a possibility going into this episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because I have seen Search for Spock, a lot of this is just a big old shrug. Yeah, the, just a huge part of this episode was just about, will Archer survive having his, the Katra removed from his head? Will people believe that the Katra is a real thing? And it was just like, this is, this is very boring. It made the episode very boring. It did. All right, your turn. Okay, uh, I'll go with... Okay, another thing that bothered me. Uh, the loss. Okay. I don't like him as a cartoon villain. No. It's it's just like he's like, and we're going to bombard them with photonic torpedoes as he twirls his Vulcan mustache, which... As he twitches his Vulcan jaw a lot because... Foxworth plays him as just like seething with rage the entire time. And the, the all the and Vulcans like, around him are just like, that seems like a bad idea. And he's like, we must do it. It will stop, solve all of our problems. And, and then like, I guess they're okay. just like, okay, sure. Yeah, no, I, I don't like that there is a cartoon villain who is just, I don't know. It I feels have... terribly out of place. It feels silly that none of the Vulcans around him are... They, they don't seem to be in on the conspiracy, but they also aren't doing anything to stop it. It's it's really dumb. I could have rolled with like a zealot Vulcan or even a crazy Vulcan if the other people around him hadn't been quite so enabling of him. Yeah, no, he's just being just pure evil and no one cares. Like and I kept I, don't e- like it. I kept expecting somebody around him to be like no, we're not doing this basically to lead a mutiny and for him to be like fine, you're all fired, get out. Mhm. Like that's where I thought it was going to go and I'm kind of disappointed that it didn't. Yeah, it was uh Yeah. Thumbs down. Yep. Um it took I realize that he's got the, the, the Vulcan soul in his head. However, it took Archer approximately 20 seconds to find an ancient artifact that T'Pau had been looking for for two years, and it was hidden in a cavern that very obviously had a secret artifact in it based on the design. <laughs> like, all she had to do was go down that hallway at some point, and she was going to find it. Uh-huh. It was going to be really easy. Maybe she didn't. There wasn't even a password that they needed to get in or no, anything. No, no, he had to touch the right symbols on the door. Yeah, um, that doesn't count. If she'd been looking for it for two years, she had enough time to play around with the symbols. Yeah, um, the, the symbols on the door are actually another one of my minuses. Like, they are clearly just painted on. Yes. And yet they are functional controls that have apparently been functional for... Uh, over a thousand years? Okay, they got lazy. Yeah, that was that was that was wildly lazy. They're they're getting some season one budget materials and uh, it's just like in the, these wait, episodes. So this is this is a a magic door or technological door from well over a thousand years ago, and it's it's also a a, a stone thing that's also touch sensitive and all, no no. 
I could have also believed it if T'Pau had been like, I've been trying to open this door for two years. And then Archer was able to open it because he's got Ciroc in his head and now he knows the secret password. But if she's been trying to find it for two years, she's just dumb. Either that or, um, what's the guy's name? Siren? Yeah. Siren was like, every time she'd go down that way, Siren would be like, no, I checked down there. There was nothing. Because Siren was actively sabotaging his followers. Waiting for been, waiting for a human to show up. That would have been an exciting twist. That that would also have been a very dumb twist. Yes, but it would have piqued my interest a little bit more. At least they make an effort to explain it. Yes. Otherwise, it, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Nope. Um, I'm going to keep going off on um, the loss. Okay. So he was put into power because he has a singular talent for governing. He clearly doesn't. A. What does that even mean? B. Who who chooses who has this singular talent for governing? Let me guess, it's it's the people who govern. Probably get to choose who who has the sing get to to evaluate who has the singular talent for governing. Probably. Yeah this this is a very very bad form of government. Yes. Um, it it's beyond crazy. Yes. Um, writers do better. That is stupid. I agree. Andre, come on. Even you're, you're better than this. Even Tucker slash Connor Trenier, when he heard that line, kind of had an expression of like, what? It's a system based on merit. I, it's clearly not. Clearly, if I am the, maybe I am the best at governing and I should be king of the earth. Yeah. Um, I'd roll for that. Yeah, that seems logical. No, it doesn't, but that's okay. Or maybe Trudy would be the best at governing. She would not make any decisions, and thus she would not make any mistakes. Trudy would be very laissez-faire. She would. Yeah. Trudy, you ready to take over? You ready to be queen of the world, baby girl? She is, yep. Yeah, she made a little snorkel sound. She did. That means yes. Mm-hmm. Anyway. I think I'm done complaining there. Okay, cool. Um, minor one, but the green screen is still bad. Just mm-hmm. stop doing green screen effects. You never do it well. Okay. Archer and T'Pol are very clearly watching a movie of the Forge being bombed. Yeah. Okay. Like I said, I didn't say it looked good. So yes, I'll, I'll, I'll take over here. Okay. The bombing of the Forge, the all of that scene there. I thought that was terrible. Like not, not really, really wretched, but I thought that their blanketing was... Not tremendously effective, um, because most of the rocks, the these you know glowing photonic torpedoes, kind of just hit and then okay they hit it. Um, if they were really blanketing it, you would expect it to just be a pile of charred, you know, destruction everywhere. I mean, it might be, and it it didn't look like it. Um, also, the uh, yeah, like you said, the green screening wasn't good. Also, they weren't terribly effective, given that uh, Archer, T'Pol, and uh, T'Pau were fine. Well, they've got main cast privilege and main guest star privilege. Yeah, it just, it didn't feel like there was sufficient danger going on there. They, yeah. Um, The uh, space battle that was going on, I found to be just, it looked 
bad to me. I did not think it was well filmed. Um, it also felt kind of pointless. What was going on with Travis's... Did they like, modify a shuttle pod? I guess. That was something that I didn't totally know what was going on. Yeah. And, and then the shuttle pod is going up against some clearly superior firepower and is kind of doing okay. And then it has chemi- has to fire the chemical rockets. Wait, what? Oh, okay, yeah, okay. That, that part was kind of dumb. Why, I was why also, is this happening? I was also distracted by the single completely silent Mako that they brought along for they did. unclear reasons. Very unclear reasons. Uh, and then, uh, so after Archer, Paul, and T'Pau find the, um, this artifact, Hello they again. start running. And, you know, a chase sequence, you're holding a real cool torch. This could be neat. But I got no sense of where they were running to. Where are they aiming for? Wait, what is your goal? Why are you running in a direction? Are you going to some place that will be safer? Uh, no, they just kind of ran into a dead end. Why did they do that? What, what was the hurry? I, yeah, I, I found that the action sequence there, it lacked any tension because I didn't know what they were even trying to do. Okay, the escape was kind of klutzy. The main thing that I liked was the actual bombing scene, which okay. I think we just disagreed on the effectiveness of. But yes, I completely agree that Archer and T'Pol and T'Pau's escape, escape was super duper klutzy. Mm-hmm. I have one left. It's kind of a big one. It's also a repeat of a few times. The Vulcans are basically humans with pointy ears on Enterprise, with the exception of T'Pau, mm-hmm. whom we already talked about. Like... To Paul, for a while, has just kind of forgotten the whole suppressing her emotions thing. Clearly, she Veloc- got drug addicted. Yeah, but still, clearly, Veloc has as well. Like Jolene Blaylock is still kind of trying to play it that way, mm-hmm. but the script is getting in her way. Um, to Paul's mom, doesn't really suppress her emotions either. Um, just like all these guys, I don't know what's supposed to be setting them apart anymore. And I know part of it is supposed to be like, well, they've lost their way. But no, even even the ones who haven't lost their way are just acting like emotional humans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you got it. Yeah, so I don't know. The Vulcans are boring right now. I don't terribly want to spend more time with them. Yeah, let's go back to the Andor- Let's go to the Andorians. Let's go to the Andorians. Um, I'm, I'm have, excited for that. I do have that one last one, um, which is the T'Pol's mom dying. It yeah. should, like, that sort of thing should make me feel something, and it didn't. No, it didn't. And they were trying, but it just felt cheap. Yeah, it felt cheap. To Paul's, like, I, I was waiting, like, hmm, I wonder how a Vulcan will re- react to something like this. And the no, answer she was... she didn't react like a Vulcan. She was just like a, a, a The human. answer was kind of like a human. And, like, there was the moment where, like, she starts to cry, and then you can kind of see Jolene Blaylock working her face, like... This is the part where I suppress my emotions, but no, it wasn't really working because you hadn't been doing it at that point. It was like a human who realizes, like, can't do this, can't can't do the crying thing right now. Yeah, um, but yeah, so the 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 little thing of oh, her mother died was cheap, and the way that the scene played out was disappointing. And I'm done now. Yeah, me too. All right, That's awards. All awards 
All right, so Mayweather report first. Um, I guess it's Flox because he wasn't in the episode at all. Yeah, I was going to give it to Hoshi, but you're right. Flox didn't show up. Like, I guess there is the question there of like, is no, the margin... Give it to Flux. Yeah, it's true. I do think that there's still a question of is the marginalized the one, one, the one who doesn't show up or the one who has only stupid stuff to do. But I think in this case, like, Flox isn't there. Yeah, we're good. We're good. There was nothing there for him. All right, and then finally we have the Kirk Award. Every show we bestow the James Tiberius Kirk Award on the character who spends the episode keeping the Star Trek legacy alive by doing the best William Shatner impersonation. Archer's doing a Leonard McCoy impersonation in this one. Yes, as which, the makes, carrier. which makes to Paul the, the James T. Kirk of this Which makes to Paul the James T. Kirk of this episode. I'm glad we're in agreement on that. Yeah, no, I was thinking, yeah, Star Trek 3 wise, this is to Paul is the uh, James T. Kirk. To Paul's the James T. Kirk. Very good. All right. <laughs> to Paul it is. I don't know that congratulations are in order because it's like, yay, you're she the... She acted so much like a human. <laughs> point. Fair point. All right, are we good? You know, let's let's just keep thinking about, you know, Kirk's eulogy there about how he never met someone who's more human. That was not in Star Trek 3. But that was also, a Star Trek too, I know. But that was an example of an emotionally resonant moment. It was. It's true. It was which so nothing good. in this episode was. Yeah, I'm excited for the next one though. Yeah, let's let's look forward to that. Speaking of, if that is a wrap, that's a wrap. Thank you, everybody, for listening. If you are enjoying this, please tell all your friends and family to join the crew. If you're really enjoying this, please consider leaving us a rating or review or signing up for a subscription on the podcast platform of your choice. If you would like to tell us, sorry, how we have brightened your day or send us some ideas for the show, shoot us an email at at least there's a dog at gmail.com. And if you are watching along with us, your next viewing assignment is Kirshara. Did I say that right? I have no idea. We're going to say I said that right. Kirshara. It's the one after Awakening. Yeah. It's one of those nonsense titles that Star Trek gives their episodes periodically. I think that might be the name of the artifact? It is. Okay. It's still a nonsense title. Fair enough. Anyway, take care of yourselves, and until next time, remember to go wherever your heart will take you. Bye! Bye!